Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the King's House podcast. We are a non-denominational church located in McAllister, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe that church is not something you go to, but it's a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until the family's there. Then that house becomes a home. So today, we want to say welcome home as we jump into today's service. so good and I am just so happy to be with you here today. I think God has something so unique and so special in store for us. We just finished up an entire week, eight days, seven or eight days of youth camp and kids camp. And guys, it was just an absolutely amazing time to see what God did in so many young people's lives. I mean, just absolutely beautiful. And I know that so many of you contributed and supported and made scholarships possible. So guys, from the bottom of my heart, I just want to say thank you so much for your investment. And I'm telling you, I think it was a good investment. I think you sowed in some good ground. I I believe that. And and God is going to just continue to work in those young people's lives. Uh, We have a quick little recap video that I want to show you this morning from the camps this past week. Once upon a younger year, when all our shadows disappeared, the animals inside came out to play. When face to face with all our fears, learned our lessons through the tears, made memories we knew would never fade. One day my father, he told me, son, don't let it slip away. He took me in his arms, I heard him say, when you get older, your wild heart will live for younger days. Think of me if ever you're afraid. He said one day you'll leave this world behind, so live a life you will remember. My 
So great, guys. Just so incredibly proud of the King's House. I don't know if you know, but the King's House partners with Camp Wow. And the King's House does all the ministry, the worship, the, the, the theme of the camp, the, the ministry for the youth camp and the kids camp. And uh, so it's just an incredible partnership. And you would be so proud, King's House, of the way that, that our leaders, man, led that camp. And um, it's a humongous sacrifice. And so I just want to thank Pastor Josh and everybody that works with the youth program. Um, I mean, these guys are using their vacation days to go out in 105 degree weather. And for Pastor Chris and all of his leaders and all of the interns, I mean, we have a whole crew of interns. I mean, just, just everybody, you're so amazing. I'm so thankful. And uh, King's House, you, you should be so proud of your church and the way that God is using this place to impact so many other churches and so many other lives. Okay, are we ready to dive in today, part two of this series? Hey, I, I want to start this morning in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 4. Uh, obviously, things are just a little different. Sorry about the projector. Uh, we had it fixed this morning, and then there was some explosion that happened in there. So it's officially broken now. So... Um, but it, I, I think before we dive into this verse, it's important to realize where Paul is coming from as he writes this passage. I mean, Paul was raised as a student of the law. I mean, this was his whole life. Um, gr growing up in this culture based on legalism, growing up in this culture based on works, where pride is found in, in your works and in your flesh. Paul was even a Pharisee, which means like he was an extremist, not only religiously, but almost a political sect in that Jewish society. The most extreme of the extreme, the most legalistic of the most legalistic. So it's from this background in history that Paul writes this. In Philippians 3, uh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, hey, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, I was faultless. I mean, this guy knew legalism. He knew the law. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. When Paul's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, he is in a Roman prison. And Paul is about a year and a half, two years away from being a martyr. 
as Paul writes this letter, you need to understand he never gets out of prison. He's in prison the rest of his life. As far as actively being out ministering, that part of his life has come to an end. Like that season has ended and Paul has already accomplished so much at this point in his life as he's writing this letter. I think that's so important to know to really hear and understand the heart of Paul through this letter. 2 Corinthians 11 gives us just a little breakdown of some of the things that this guy went through and some of the things that he accomplished. Put it on the screen for me. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I mean, this guy paid a price for the gospel. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my fellow Jews, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, danger in the sea. Very opposite from the name it, claim it, bless me, bless me, bless me gospel that we have today, friends. Danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have even been cold and naked. Paul had already accomplished all these things, had carried the gospel single-handedly to like so much of the known world, had walked in miracles and signs and wonders. I mean, the Apostle Paul got taken up to the third heaven and experienced and saw things that he says, like, there aren't even any words to describe what I experienced. There's no words to describe what are waiting us as believers when we get to heaven. I mean, that's incredible news. But Paul's already done all that. He's two years away from giving his life for the gospel. But still, there is this singular burning passion in Paul's heart when he writes this letter to, to the church in Philippi. I want to know Christ. Come on, church. That is still the passion of his heart after doing all that he did. Still, singular passion. God, I want to. I think we can all assume, like, Paul, I think you know Jesus. I mean, that's safe to say, Paul, I think if anyone knows, you know Jesus. But no matter how much of Jesus he knew, friends, there was still this passion in his heart. I got to know Jesus more. It was the driving force of his life. And as we are in this series, back to the start. And as we are intentionally coming back to the basics, friends, this is the bedrock of Christianity. This should be the driving force of your life, the motivating force of your life, the source of joy, the source of contentment, fulfillment. Go down the list. It's a singular place. Guys, we need to be constantly in search of this reality that you can know God. You can know God. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, you can know God. This is back to the start, knowing God. You know, uh, I've been on staff here for six years. I've uh, been the lead pastor for almost four years, which is just unimaginable. I mean, how time has just whew, flown by. Crazy. But in the course of those six years, like, I've spent a tremendous amount of time with Pastor Blake and Pastor Chris. We spend more time together than we spend with our families. Think about that for a little bit. Yeah. And this place does get a little wild sometimes, as you can imagine, with Mark and Chris and Blake leading the show and now Pastor Joe. I mean, it's, it gets a little wild. It really does. But over the, like, you get to know somebody, okay? I know things about these guys that 
probably most of you don't know. I know their little quirky habits. I know their likes. I know their dislikes. I don't know if you realize this about Pastor Chris. He's so lean and trim, and he's a third-degree black belt, and I taught him everything that he knows. I really did. But did you know that this guy is a bottomless pit when it comes to food? I mean, a, a bottomless pit. You would never know it when you see him, but he's a bottomless pit. Just a few weeks ago, like, Pastor Mark, I'm a little hungry. I'm going to go to the dollar store and get me something. Like, all right, that's normal. We always just run and get something. He comes back with a family pack of mac and cheese, one of the jumbo boxes. And I'm thinking, like, he's going to space this out over a few days. Nope. Sits down with a bowl about this big and eats the entire family pack of mac and cheese. Like, you would never know that about him. He's a bottomless pit. I know when Chris is getting a little overwhelmed and getting a little frustrated. I know when I'm pushing him a little too hard because he slowly begins to morph into a horse. Okay? When he gets a little overwhelmed, here's his reaction. And that's my cue. Like, all right, Chris, have a good day, buddy. We'll talk more tomorrow. That's his cue. When you go to lunch with Pastor Blake, okay, he loves French fries. But not just any French fries. He likes French. <laughs> he likes all the French fries. Somebody said <laughs> he <laughs> he wants some not crispy. He wants some extra, 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 extra crispy. And it embarrasses me every time we go to a restaurant because inevitably he's like, "Oh, I hate to be this guy, but could you just crispy those up a little bit more for me?" Like you don't hate it. You do it every freaking time, man. You don't. It doesn't bother you. Did you know that when Blake pulls through the Sonic drive-thru, that whoever says, hey, welcome to Sonic, he knows them by name, by their voice. And he literally goes, oh, hey, Rachel, it's me, Blake. I want the usual. Like, who's Rachel? Does Hannah know about Rachel? I mean, what's going on here, man? Several months ago, uh, we went to lunch after Sunday service, and Erica brought me back here to get my truck. Blake's truck's sitting in front of the, the side door there. The truck's running, and Blake's, like, slumped over his steering wheel like he's out. That's normal. I mean, that, I walk into Blake's office, and he's slumped over his keyboard like he's out. Like, he just powers down. He recharges. He comes back on. He's like a robot. Erica's terrified. Like, Mark, Blake's dead. <laughs> he's not dead. He's just taking a nap. No, Mark, like, I'm seriously worried about him. We got to call Hannah. Would you knock on the window? I said, no, I'm not knocking on the window. He's asleep. Let the man rest. I said, Erica, here's what happened. He went to lunch. He got his belly full. On the way back to the church, he was listening to Fox News on the radio. There was an interview that interested him. He put it in park. He was listening to the interview, and he fell asleep. Erica hounds me, hounds me, hounds me. Finally, I said, okay, text Hannah, have Hannah call Blake just to confirm. Mark, you're going to feel so bad if Blake's dead and you just drove off and left him. Like, babe, Hannah calls Blake. Lo and behold, guess what Blake was doing? He went and got his belly full. He was listening to Fox News on the way back on the radio. There was an interview that interested him. He was listening to it, and he fell asleep. Okay, like, I know these guys because we spend an incredible amount of time together. Okay? I know their hearts. I know these guys. This is the type of relationship that Jesus is wanting to have with each and every one of you. This word know that Paul used, I want to know Christ, in the Greek is this word, gnosko. It has a lot of meanings, but when you really kind of 
uh, tighten the view in of what does this word really mean. This is what it means. It means to know absolutely, in fullness, to know. And, and beyond that, it means to be known. Like not only do you know somebody, but they know you in an absolute kind of sense. All through the Old Testament, this word gnosko is used to signify an intimate relationship with somebody. To be known and to be fully known. To have an intimate relationship with somebody. Friends, this is what Jesus is interested in. This is his desire for our lives. This is what Christianity is supposed to be all about. Forget all of this, friends. At the end of the day, this is what Christianity is supposed to be all about. He has never been interested in a list of rules, in a list of regulations. He has never been interested in this concept of this legalistic religion. I'm so happy to tell you today that a relationship with Jesus, following God, Christianity, isn't about religion. It's all about a relationship. That's what it's about. That's what he's looking for. This isn't new. This is what he's always been looking for. You were created to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. You were given a free will intentionally so that you had the capacity to choose Jesus, right? That's the only way that relationship is meaningful. If the pretty girl at school is forced to go to the prom with you, that's not very meaningful, is it? But when the pretty girl at school chooses to go to the prom, it's a totally different situation. This is what God looked for in the beginning with Adam and Eve. And sin came along and really messed that all up. God used to walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evenings. He had a relationship on a personal level with them. Sin came into the picture. God was forced to remove them from the garden. And all of a sudden, that relationship got way, way, way more complicated. And there was all these laws and there was all these rules and there was all these sacrifices. But that wasn't good enough for Jesus because God loved the world so much that he was willing to send his only son. Come on, somebody. That's some good news, man. Jesus came to the earth. He gave his life because he wanted to defeat sin. He wanted to destroy the works of the devil. He wanted to destroy death. He wanted to rebuild that bridge that once existed between God and man. Jesus came to the earth to restore relationship back to the way that it was in the very beginning. Do you believe that this morning? We can see this truth as Jesus is on the cross. And in his last final breath, he shouts out, it is finished. When you study the meaning of that word, it actually means paid in full. There was a debt that had to be paid. There was a sacrifice that had to be made. Sin couldn't go unpunished, but it had to be a perfect, spotless sacrifice, which is why Jesus had to live a perfect, spotless life. But when he gave his life for us, his blood paid for not only their sins, every sin committed before that time, but it paid for our sins and every sin that will ever be committed. I mean, it is some powerful blood, an incredible sacrifice. He screams out, it's finished, paid in full. It was a cataclysmic event that happened that day to the point of even the people crucifying him realized like, uh-oh, 
This was the Son of God. When Jesus died, the earth began to shake. When Jesus died, the day turned into night. There was lightning. There was thunder. I mean, it shook the foundations of the world. It was the greatest event in human history when Jesus gave his life. In the temple, there was a veil that was an enormous veil. You can go into great detail about it. This veil served one purpose, to keep ordinary people like me and you out of the presence of God. It separated the inner courts from the most holy place in the temple where the presence of God habitated and resided. Only one person, and that only happened once a year, got to go past the veil. The high priest, once a year, it was such a holy, dangerous place, the high priest would wear a rope around his foot with jingle bells on it. That way, if the jingle bells quit jingling and the dude died in there, they can pull his body out because you can't go in there and get him. When Jesus said it's finished, the earth shook, the sky turned dark, all these events happened in the temple that day. That veil was ripped in half from heaven to earth, from top to bottom, signifying to every one of us the relationship had been restored. The bridge had been rebuilt. And now every person in this room with boldness can approach the throne of God. Every one of us in this room can experience God's presence, can have a living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ, friends, you can know God this morning. And that is his plan and his heart and his desire for every person in this room. This is what the gospel is, knowing Jesus. John chapter 10 says it like this, verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Guess what this word know is in Greek? Gnosko. I have an intimate relationship with my sheep. My sheep have an intimate relationship with me. The exact same way that my father and I have an intimate relationship. This is what he desires for you. I'm going to take it even a next step, friends. This is what he requires from you. If you are going to consider him your shepherd and you are going to consider yourself his sheep, having a relationship with him is not optional. There's a horrifying verse in Matthew chapter 7 that it, it bothers me. It will probably bother you. But look at how serious this concept of knowing, of having a relationship with God is. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say, look at your neighbor and say, many. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Same word, gnosko. I never fully knew you. You never fully knew me. We never had an intimate relationship together. Away from me, you evildoers. This is Horrifying because this scripture isn't referring to the CEOs of Christianity, Christmas and Easter only. <laughs> I'm here all day, folks. It's not the people that just occasionally walk through the door. 
Did we not prophesy? I mean, this is a people prophesying. Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do many miraculous works in the name of Jesus? Like, friends, these are the people that we would look at and be like, dang, that person knows God. He said, listen, depart from, I never knew you. I never had that intimate relationship with you, which is a requirement, which should be one of the things that you desire and seek after the most. I want to know him. I want to have an intimate relationship with him. Now that you're all terrified and questioning your salvation, (laughs) it's a terrifying verse. (laughs) How do I get to know God, Pastor Mark? If this is what he desires for me, please tell me, how do I do that? I don't want to be in that list of people being called an evildoer. Friends, let's not overcomplicate it, okay? How do you find out about him? How do you do a little background on this guy? John says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. If you want to get to know Jesus, the quickest way is found right inside of that Bible that you're either holding or is on your phone this morning. Come on. The truth in that Bible, this is the safest way. This is probably one of the healthiest ways to discover who is Jesus really. Okay? Sometimes it gets a little foggy through the Old Testament if you're a new believer especially. So I just can't ask you enough to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, when you get tired of reading those books, then read them again because they do reveal God's character. They reveal the attributes of God, his qualities, his personality, his values, his preferences, his nature. Like you can learn who Jesus is. You can get to know him inside those pages. It's not just a book, friends. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Man, the word of God has power today. Do you believe that, church? Yes. Like any relationship on planet earth, you have to prioritize it, and it takes time. Okay? So don't put yourself in a little bottle. Man, I'm not a very good reader. I don't enjoy reading. No problem. These dudes will read to you. It's beautiful, man. And there's podcasts and there's, there's YouTube. I mean, there's so many ways to get the word of God inside of you. I, I can't challenge you with that enough. Friends, you can talk to God and God can talk to you. It's not a one-way street. How, how much of a fun, rewarding relationship would it be with your spouse if your spouse literally never spoke? Some of you wives are like, I know exactly what that feels like today. <laughs> My husband never tells me anything. But imagine that. Oh, sweetheart, I just love you so much. I, I think you're so great. I just, and, and your husband never responds. Like, it's, it's not a one-way street. God wants you to talk to him. And he has every, uh, he, he plans on talking back to you. This is called prayer. This, this is called prayer. We have to shift our mindset to what prayer is, okay? We've made it a list of, I need you to do this, 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 hopefully take care of this, this, this. No, that's Santa Claus you're thinking of. That's not, that's not Jesus. Prayer is a communication. It's an interaction. It's a conversation that happens between you and God. You don't have to have your eyes closed. You don't have to fold your hands like this. I have no idea why people started folding their hands to pray. Where did that come from? I don't know. You don't have to be on your knees. You don't, I mean, 
You can be driving to work and you can be having a conversation with the Lord. Yes, you can be at work having a conversation. You can be at dinner. A conversation with the Lord can start when your feet hit the ground and it can finish when your head hits the pillow that night. And even in your dreams, the Lord can meet you and show you and speak to you. This is what prayer is really all about. Here's the spoiler alert, King's House, that I hope you can all grab onto today. He wants to be found. This is his desire to be found. I think sometimes we really overcomplicate it, but scripture is so clear. If you ask, you will, if you seek, you will, if you knock, the door will be opened. Some of my earliest memories as a child with my grandma was playing hide and seek. And uh, man, she used to just hide in these incredibly hard places. And she would let me wander around the house for like 45 minutes or an hour. And like, I'm a little kid, and I think that she's abandoned me, and I'm literally in tears. And uh, my grandma's in her little hiding spot like, that little jerk's never going to find me. <laughs> I'll listen to him cry, what a wuss, seriously. <laughs> no, that's not at all how it happens. That's not at all how our hide-and-seek games wins. She would hide in the most obvious places. And if by chance that I couldn't find her in those obvious, obvious places... I would hear this little voice. I remember it like it was yesterday. I would hear this little voice somewhere in the house go, <gasps> and I would run into the room, and I, could, I still couldn't find her. And again, she wanted me to find her. Friends, and that's exactly who Jesus is in our lives. He puts people in our lives. He puts situations in our lives. He, he orchestrates, man. He weaves this web of our lives all together. And all along he's saying, you, he wants you to find him, but he just wants you to pursue him. That, that's the secret, friends. He wants you to pursue him. He doesn't want to be that kid at prom where the pretty girl is forced to go with him. That's not what he's interested in. He wants you to choose him. Not just a day, not just every day. God, I want to know you. God, I don't even know where to really start looking, so I'm opening up this Bible, and some of it doesn't even make sense, and it's confusing. But God, I believe you're in here, and would you show yourself to me? Because God, I want to know you. And sometimes when I'm praying, it feels like they're not even getting out past my ceiling, and it feels like you're a million miles away, but God, you said that if I seek, I'm going to find it. God, I'm here seeking. I don't want anything else. I just want to know you more, Jesus. When you come to God with that heart, friends, I just want to know you. That's the secret. I promise you, he's going to let you find him. I promise you that. Let me help you a little bit. I think uh, sometimes our purpose and our calling and, and what God's put us on this earth to do gets very cloudy through some of these conversations. Adam, will you join me quickly? Hey guys, I'm so happy and honored to have Adam Rogers with us here this morning. I have missed this guy terribly. I have just missed him terribly. You know my struggles uh, 11 or 12 years ago. I'm very open and honest about them. Uh, I would love to think that my struggle can help you in your struggle, I think it's important to remember when you're going through hell that uh, one day that you're going through hell is going to be a roadmap to somebody else coming behind you, which is why I'm so open and honest. But 11 or 12 years ago, I am dealing with some serious depression 
and hopelessness, uh, crippling, uh, bombarded with suicidal thoughts, can't get off the couch for weeks at a time, uh, failure on top of failure on top of, I mean, just a very difficult season in my life. One of the things through that season that was so complicated was I find myself in the middle of an absolute identity crisis, which is one of the biggest things I think God wanted to work out of me. Before this season in my life, I was marking in the preacher. Before this season in my life, man, I was marking in the worship leader, the songwriter, the world traveler. Everything I did succeeded. And that's just the truth. Everything I put my hand to was blessed. Every ministry I got involved in grew. I mean, everything I did was succeeded. I was a successful business owner. I was 25 years old. I owned my home free and clear. I mean, God's hand was on my life. Somewhere along the way, my identity got wrapped up in those things. Somewhere along the way, Jesus stopped being the main thing, okay? Somewhere along the way, it became more about what God could do for me, how God could promote me, how God could use me. Instead of just this heart of like, Jesus, it's all about you, man. I found myself in this horrible season. Not only was I not marked the preacher, singer, I was marked the nothing. I mean, my life came to a screeching halt. Now I'm marked the guy that can't get hired at McDonald's. Truth. I'm marked that can't get hired as a cart pusher at Walmart. I am marked that can't get a job as a dishwasher at a Mexican restaurant. That's who I was. So it's just this, if I'm not these things, then who am I? I mean, God, have you forgotten about me? This very difficult season. One day I'm in my basement, I am crying out to God. God, Lord, I need you. Something's got to, I'm in a, a terrible way. I hear the Lord ask me this question very clearly. Mark, if you never preach another sermon, am I still enough for you? Mark, if you never write another song, if you never stand on one more stage, if you never get on one more airplane, if, if this is the rest of your life, this, you in this basement with no opportunities, with no doors, with no job, if this is it, am I enough for you? And in that day, like, it, it, it all came full circle, and I realized, like, what I preached last week, I've forgotten my first love. Somewhere Jesus stopped being the main thing. Somewhere it became more about what he could do for me. And on my knees that day with tears rolling down my face, I said, Jesus, you are more than enough for me. I don't care if I ever preach again, sing again, travel again. Jesus, all I want is to know you. You're enough for me, Jesus. That's all I want. You're my source of fulfillment and happiness and joy. You, Jesus, I want to know you. And I had this incredible revelation in that moment, and I, I think somebody in this room needs to grab onto this. I learned that day I'm not called to be a preacher. I'm not called to be a worship leader. I'm not called to be an administrator, whatever. I'm called to be a full-time lover of Jesus Christ. Put it on the screen for me if you would. That's what I'm called to be. Here's my purpose that I realized that day. My purpose is to know Him. That's my purpose and to make him known. Now listen, your call this morning to be a full-time lover of Jesus Christ. It is the one thing in your life that nobody else has control over except you. You dictate your relationship with Jesus. 
No boss, no job, no heaven, no hell, no angel, no demon can stop you from having a relationship with Jesus. It's on you. You are called to be a full-time lover of Jesus Christ. Your purpose is to know him in an intimate way and to make him known. This is where it gets a little shady for some of us because your assignment changes. And it can change all through your life. Right now, my assignment, I'm the lead pastor of the King's House. I might be for five years. I might be for 10 years. God might move me next month. But whenever my assignment changes, my calling is still the same. My purpose is still the same. I don't find my worth or my value in my current assignment. The same Mark Hennon that was battling depression 12 years ago is the same dude standing before you today. Nothing's changed in my life except my assignment. I'm just, I don't know what God's called me to do. I just, I got this dead-end job at the base, and I mean, it pays the bills, and that's what, no, 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 no. You're called to be a full-time lover of Jesus. Your purpose is to know him and to make him known, and God has you positioned at that base because there is somebody that needs Jesus. There is some fear of influence that he wants to put you in the middle of because your purpose is to know him and to make him known. Whether you're working at McDonald's or the base or Walmart or you're a doctor or a teacher or a realtor, whatever you are, your purpose is to know God intimately and to make him known. One last secret, how do I know God today? This is what I call the fast pass secret. It has impacted my life more than any other secret. I can get to Walmart if I just take off walking. I won't be hot and sweaty when I get there. Someone might have to bring me some water along the way. I'll get there. Or I can get in my car, man, I can get there a whole lot faster and easier. The fast pass into God's presence, the fast pass into knowing him and experiencing him is worship. This is the fast pass. It positions your heart. God, I need you. You're bigger. You're better. You're smarter. I trust you. It positions where he needs to be. It's the fast pass. When I need to hear the voice of the Lord, I get behind my piano and I worship. When I need, man, when my faith is low and I got to get a hold of Jesus, I come in here and I turn on worship music. Here's the secret. I'm not asking for anything. God, I just want to be in your presence. Jesus, I just love you. Jesus, I'm so thankful for all that you've done. And God, I can't see what you're doing today, but you've never been anything but faithful. So God, today I choose to trust you. And it's amazing how God meets you in those moments. It's one thing for me to tell you about that, friends. But today I want you to experience that today. Which is why we're not going to have the lights, camera, action, smoke. Today it's going to be an individual on a piano and it's going to be you and Jesus. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. To put aside every single distraction that you have in your mind. To place all of your focus, all of your attention, and all of your affection on Jesus. I'm going to ask you to not ask for anything. Scripture says he already knows what you need before you ever even ask for it. That's the kind of God that he is, man. Don't ask for anything. Come to him this morning with this heart. Jesus, I just want to know you. Jesus, I just want more of you. Jesus, I just want to have an intimate relationship with you. Jesus, I just want to experience you today. God, here's my heart, Lord. Make it all yours. God, be the center of it all. If you come to Jesus with that heart and that attitude, I promise you, he's going to meet you. I'm also going to ask you to do this. Do something today that makes you a little uncomfortable. Well, Pastor Mark, everything you do makes me uncomfortable. Well, you're welcome. That's how we grow. 
Maybe you've never closed your eyes in worship. I challenge you, close your eyes today. Maybe you've never just thrown that head back and let it rip, man, just singing your heart out. Today's your day. Maybe you've never lifted your hands. Maybe you've never bowed your knee to Jesus in worship. Here's why it's so important, and I'm done talking. The more you give of yourself, the more it positions you to receive more of Jesus. Anybody ever tried to give a hug to somebody where it was 1,000% unreciprocated? It happens to me almost every week. It's awkward. I'm a hugger. Like, bring it in full on. And you, you try to give the hug to, like, the two-by-four people, you know, like the. <laughs> Their response greatly inhibits my ability to display affection. Their response. I want to wrap them up. I want to tell them how I love them and I'm proud of them. But their response makes that very difficult. It's 2022. Pastors can't force themselves on people. I don't know. It's weird. It's frowned upon these days. I don't know. Sometimes that's the position we put God in. Man, he wants to pour his love out on you. Man, he wants to wrap his arms around you. Man, he wants you to know that he loves you and that he's proud of you and that he has a plan. He wants to know that. He's just waiting for you just to give him a little bit of something, just, just a little hand raised, just whatever it is. I promise if you'll just take a little bit of a step. This is not a fair exchange of a relationship. I've said that thousands of times from this stage. It's not equal parts. You take one little bitty baby step towards Jesus, and he comes running, baby. He does all the work. He's that kind of God. Will you stand to your feet this morning? We're not even going to have the screens on. Right now, just focus your heart. Focus your affection on Jesus. Let your heart pray this with me this morning. Jesus, I just want to know you. Jesus, I just want to have a a deeper relationship with you. God, I'm so thankful that you're not a God that we have to take your love by faith every day. Some days. But there are other times where you absolutely positively want us to feel you, to experience you. And God, as we take those steps today to open our hearts up a little bit more to worship you a little bit more freely as we lay our pride to the side and we don't care who's around us as we intentionally make you the main thing and make you the center of it all Jesus I just ask that your presence would fill this place and that you would touch every heart in just the way that you know they need to be touched King says these next few minutes would you just lift your voice and let's just give Jesus the worship that he is so deserving of come on let's sing together Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful things. And the things of earth will grow strange. Thank you.
church let's just sing that chorus again come on every voice lift it up to him this morning we love you jesus we love you we're so thankful you're so good you're so worthy
who hears. Just tell him you love him. Just tell him how thankful you are. Tell him how good he's been. Tell him how faithful he's been. says that those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Run and not grow weary, walk and not faint, mount up with wings like an eagle. Kings, I just want to encourage you. It's in this type of moment, it's in these types of atmospheres. Wouldn't it be lovely if we all had a Adam Rogers at our house every day to lullaby us to sleep at night, but that's just not reality. <laughs> but you can have these moments, you can have these experiences with Jesus every day of your life, just you, when you shut out the world, when you get in your car, when you lock yourself in your prayer closet, when you turn on some worship music, in this heart, this attitude like, Jesus, I just want to be with you. Jesus, I just want to know you. Jesus, I'm not asking for anything. I just want to tell you how thankful I am. I just want to spend some time worshiping, waiting in your presence. You want to get to know Jesus. This is how, right here, this. This is how. This is the fast pass, friends. God, I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you that when we turn our hearts towards you, God, your presence is just a breath away, just a moment away. God, you are always with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. And God, when we turn our affections, when we turn our focus towards you, God, you are there to meet us. 
in the middle of the darkest storm, God, you are there and your presence can be there. God, let that be the heart of every person in this room today. God, we just want to know you. We were created for a singular purpose, to know you and to make you known. God, let us find so much joy and fulfillment, not in what we can do for you, not how you can use us or promote us, but God, let us find joy and fulfillment and satisfaction in knowing you. Jesus, you're enough for us. We don't need raises. We don't need nicer cars. We don't need all these material. Jesus, we need you. You're enough for us, God. Father, we thank you for all that you're doing, for all that you're gonna continue to do in this place. We're gonna be so careful to give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Can we give God some praise this morning, church? I love you so much. Thank you for being here today, for allowing us to do things quite differently than usual. Hey, if you're a first time guest, take that uh, connect card to KH Central. We have a present for you. God bless you guys. See you next Sunday. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you are in need of prayer or wish to speak to one of our pastors, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you would like to give towards the ministry of the King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church forward slash giving, or by texting any dollar amount to the number 84321 and respond to the prompts sent back to you. If you're ever around the area and you want to visit us, we meet every week at 124 B. Hubert Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit with us ahead of time where you can reserve your seats, your parking spot, and even pre-check in your kids before you arrive on the Sunday of your choosing. Just fill out the quick form at thekingshouse.church forward slash plan your visit. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all of our latest messages. We look forward to seeing you real soon.